Hello, Doc Lowe's, and a happy March for all of us. You are listening to the Doc Venters Podcast, the podcast for myself, Bob Sham, and a recurring enthusiast slash friend slash wife. They're not all my wife, just one of them. Discuss a different documentary each week and give the final word on it until the end of time. The Documenteers is the greatest documentary-themed podcast in the universe, and you can take that to the damn bank. Drew and I continue our 30 for 30 journey, and at this point, we only have 11 of them in the bag, with more being made as we speak. This episode is about one we've been anticipating since we started this. No crossover, the trial of Allen Iverson by Hoop Dreams director and Hampton, Virginia native Steve James. Drew and I may have remembered more of a highlight reel than we really got in this documentary. This is about the iconic and controversial basketball superstar, Allen Iverson, but it zeroes in on an incident during his high school days. The fallout of this time still lingers in the minds of the citizens of Hampton. A very layered 30 for 30, where Iverson is the core of a lot of emotions. Actually, I want to play a clip of something that we missed in this actual episode that represents what the core of this film really is. This is Steve James discussing the racial implications of his past that he may not have noticed while playing on his high school team with black teammates. The guy who's filming with Steve, an African-American man, who I'm not sure is either a cameraman or a producer, asked an interesting question. I never really became friends with them beyond, you know, just being teammates. Um, Do you ever want to be black? (laughs) (laughs) Most of my favorite basketball players, you know, the ones I idolized, were black. I mean, Bill Russell was my first hero. So I, I would say that I probably didn't really wish I was black, more so than I just wish I could play as well as some of the black players I admire. Did you wish you were white? Sometimes I did. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. I know I said we're going to go live for March, but uh, I'm looking at this last minute schedule and Things might get more real than I anticipated. I think next week might be our only respite, really. Speaking of next week, our next full episode drop will be a very special episode. Bob didn't make it out to this film, so Angela had to be the documenteer's main because her and a special guest and likely recurring documenteer, Jeremy, fill in to discuss an odd obsession regarding a bizarre subgenre of musical theater that most people know very little about. We're talking about industrial musicals, Musical theater devoted to shilling tractors and old smobiles and bathroom fixtures. And unless you went to some corporate conventions in 1965, you may not know about this. Until now, Angela and Jeremy break down the much-needed, light-hearted documentary, Bathtubs Over Broadway, by Dava Wisanon. It could be in your local indie theater right now. I know it's doing well at our beloved Belcourt. Remember, I ain't hosting that episode, but that don't mean I don't show up. I mean... A documentary's episode with zero Bob Sham. I don't know if my ego can handle it. Also, I want to spice things up in this intro by letting you know what full episode is coming the following week. Hang on to your butts, folks, because as of this recording, we haven't even watched it yet. And I also forget to do a next week on next week episode. Maybe you heard about it. This documentary, it's an HBO doc that is already stirring up some shit. Premieres the first Sunday in March. The kill will be recording after each part of the documentary. About one of the biggest and most beloved pop stars of all time. And it regards some very public abuse allegations. All of which he was acquitted for, it should be stated. This documentary will have just finished coming out about when this episode drops on your face. Yeah, dude. For the third week of March, we'll be dropping the controversial 
Dan Reed documentary about the Michael Jackson allegations, the doc called Leaving Neverland. So lean in on the Bathtubs Over Broadway episode for the heartfelt fun because shit is going to be serious for the rest of the month. And uh, after we all watch this in about two weeks, you can get our take on it. So after everyone's been blown back, you can come with us a couple weeks later after everything's decompressed and let us put the final say on it. Quick music credits for this episode. Of course, we play brief clips of the song White Iverson by Post Malone. This kid is hot right now. And I got to admit, I'm finding myself not dismissing him as much as the other cloud rappers out there. And he's just always like cheesing every time you see him. The dude looks completely happy to be famous. It's kind of adorable. Also, we hear a little bit of rap by Alan Iverson himself under the moniker Jules that obviously didn't stick. I mean, you're Alan Iverson. Do you really need a moniker at this point? Anyway, his rap is called 40 Bars. It ain't great. A little too derivative of some much better rappers at that time. But we play it. I always play music I don't really like. A mystery none of us truly understand. And also we play the rap song released by Andre and Linda that protested the trial that Iverson and some teammates were involved in during the 90s. We hear the song Swiss Rap. Swiss is an acronym that I don't remember exactly right now. But the, but that I means Iverson and an S means Simmons. But it's a good rap when you want to fight the power and shake your ass in Hampton, Virginia at the same time. Boy, these intros are getting long, right? Let's do this shit. No crossover, the trial of Alan Iverson by Steve James. Please visit documenteerspodcast.com. Five stars in a review on Apple Podcasts will help us out a great deal. We love you. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Over the years, I've bragged that basketball star Allen Iverson grew up in my hometown. Man, he is uncomfortable. This would often spark a debate. At barely six feet tall, is Allen Iverson inch for inch the most talented player ever? I'm supposed to be a franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Or is he uncoachable? I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. And as selfish a star as there ever was. Thinking only about himself. Is he an icon who stayed true to himself? Or a thug in basketball shorts? Proteins of Virginia. I'm blanking. There are none, are there? Huh. There are no proteins out of Virginia. What do you know? Huh. Virginia's a great state. I like Virginia. There's no protein. It just occurred to me. They got a lot of big time college teams going on. Yeah, they got all that college team. It's the ACC is their SEC. Virginia may be smarter for it because maybe they're just like, uh, we need to pay you billions of dollars for this billionaire to build a billion dollar stadium no thank you uh, how expensive do you think that stadium is at duke or whatever that's all taxpayer funded also <laughs> oh right <laughs> well if, if college sports is all virginia that's for sure yeah the virginia cavaliers right yeah that sounds right <laughs> <laughs> and, but then you got all that shit you know yeah, up towards dc maryland dc all that stuff's in there yeah regional that, yeah that little 
the Potomac area, I guess. I barely know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not from Virginia. All I know about Virginia, Allen Iverson's from a, a coastal peninsula there, and it's for lovers. I know that. Everything's for lovers. Who would win in a fight? Post Malone, White Iverson himself, Post Malone. <laughs> I got me some praise and I got me some hoes. Started rocking the sleeve, I can't buy with no jaws. Or current Allen Iverson. Hey yo, my homie, sick that shit. Everybody stay fly, get money, kill and fuck bitches. I'm hitting anything in plain view for my riches. Who would win in a fight between those two? Is his nickname actually White Iverson? I ain't rich yet, but you know I ain't broke up. So if I see it, I like about that from the start. Uh, I'm with some white girls and I love them in the coca. He's got a song called White Iverson. It was his big uh, breakout hit. White Iverson. It's not about white chocolate Jason Williams. What's up, man? Jason Williams. Live from the Orlando Rec downtown. It's about... <laughs> if you ever see a white dude come up to you. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> which Like that would happen. First of all. Be ready if a white dude approaches you. And he goes, they call me. It's a good 70% chance that the next thing that's going to come out of his mouth is white chocolate. How many white dudes out there going around calling themselves white chocolate? Pretty much a weekly occurrence. It's got to be. There's so many white chocolates out there. More people calling themselves white chocolate than out there calling themselves dark chocolate. I promise. I don't know. There's also a lot of white dudes who come up and be like, yo, I'm marshmallow. I'm happy to say Kevin James is here on the couch. Really fat white dudes. I don't know why you're making these hurtful observations right now. <laughs> these stereotypes. How many white people in your life have you met call, who've called themselves cheese? <laughs> I think I've known at least 10 cheeses in my life. Uh, that They're might be all a white. thing. Never met a black dude who's like, they call me cheese. Is this like a white cheddar type of thing? I, yeah, they call me white cheddar. It's not bad. Maybe just call yourself that instead of white chocolate, because white chocolate's played out. Now that we have your view, <laughs> point of view on the subject. You know, white chocolate's just like butter, right? Like flavored butter, essentially, I think. Like a, like a short, like a oil vegetable. I don't I know. I don't believe that at all. I'm out of my, I'm out of my realm right now. <laughs> You've got chefs. We can call them in and ask them this. You know, this is the first 30 for 30 we've recorded in 2019. You and I haven't, I, we had... The Guru of Go in the bank for a while, but you and I have not been in the studio in quite some time. Yeah, there's some changes around here. Shamco Studios has really hit it big. Uh, what is this now, a uh, tall and skinny in Nashville? Just the studio inside your house? <laughs> what? <laughs> You've built a tall and skinny studio? Yeah. <laughs> Two of them on the lot? And there's a coffee shop. Uh, I see that. In the corner there. It's nice. Oh Tasteful. I was in Franklin at a friend's housewarming party at a at his fancy apartment. Franklin, Tennessee is this place close to Nashville that is uh, kind of a little upscale in a lot of the places around there. We get uh we got twice dailies here in Nashville. That's our that's our regional gas station brand, right? Like up in Philly and New Jersey, they got like shit like Wawa's, Seven yeah, Elevens throughout the country. In Nashville, we have these we have, we call them twice dailies. And I went into this shit. It's the fanciest twice daily I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. A quarter of it was an artisan coffee bar called White Bison that had this very uh, bored-looking teenage girl working there. Hey, they call me White Bison. They call me White Bison. White Bison. I'm more like a white horse grant. Truly. That is kind of your game out on the street ball courts. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> Whitehorse Grant, not a bad descriptor. Yeah. 
I'm the White Horse Grant. But I'm in this twice, this fanciest twice daily I've ever seen. And folks, twice daily is not inherently fancy. It's a gas station. You get your horny goat weed, your peach flavored blunts, your soda that you should never be drinking, like little cheap pastries. Like there's nothing fancy about a twice daily. I'm walking around this thing. I can't find the registers. It turned out the registers, I look over and there's this guy like, hello. And the registers are like these like kiosk looking pillars, like these circles that have barely any space or any room, but for a register, it was so confusing because I'm a man of the people here on working <laughs> class side of Dickerson Pike, baby. He says that as we're talking into these new microphones you got for the studio that are, I didn't know they made microphones out of reclaimed lumber. They're custom too. They got my name on them in gold print. Pretty classy. Actually got a good deal on these mics, but that's a whole different story. Good to be here in the upgraded Shamco Studios. You didn't answer the question. Who would win in a fight? White Iverson? <laughs> White Iverson. Against current Allen Iverson. Get money, kill them, fuck bitches. I'm going to have to go with current Allen Iverson. Not knowing very much about White Iverson. White Iverson. Allen Iverson, the real deal, went through some shit. Yeah. And if you grow up scrapping people who didn't, again, I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't know much about his upbringing. I don't know much about him at all. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he went through the same type of shit. And that that's something that people just aren't going to understand. You don't learn something about yourself until you're actually in it. Yeah. White Iverson, Post Malone, he looks very chill. He looks like he's not one to throw a punch or would want to. I think he can get blindsided very quickly. He seems like a nice guy. I'm surprised you have a radio show and you've yet to do a deep dive on Post Malone, a.k.a. White Iverson. I uh, have have not. Although uh, when he's when he comes out with his new you know throwback '80s DC hardcore songs, <laughs> I'll get real into it. But also, real AI got those fast hands, man. Yeah, fast hands. Yeah, I agree. After what what Allen Iverson's been through, I think he would win because it's like Kelly Clarkson said. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 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 This movie is directed. Wait, what's this movie called? <laughs> oh, we're talking about a movie? I thought we, we were watched, just hanging out here. We watched this two weeks ago, and we're just now able to get to it. But what what, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about the 30 for 30, number 10, no crossover, the trial of Bubba Chuck. That's what they call <laughs> Allen Iverson. No crossover, the trial of Allen Iverson. All right, right. Directed by Steve James, who... As uh, you might know, Steve James from a very well-regarded sports documentary. Yeah, he's Steve James, bitch. Uh, Steve <laughs> James directed uh, Hoop Dreams, uh, the 90s basketball film that's like three hours long. Very critically well-regarded. So he's kind of, he's got, he's royalty. He's got chops to handle these 30 for 30 ESPN films. When you, when, when ESPN's like, we want to make a bunch of documentaries, 30 of them, and then make 30 times <laughs> 50 more <laughs> you know steve james has got to get up in there somewhere yeah they were getting the big names in there obviously he had, he had this is his story this is very much steve james story also yeah he's fully invested in this one there's no doubt if if he was asked by you know espn or bill simmons or whoever was doing the 30 for 30s at this time to do one he had this in mind already but you know what i kind of i kind of misremembered this one a little bit uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I remember the Allen Iverson 30 for 30, watching it back in the day when these were fresh. 
But for some reason in my head, I thought the whole trial of Allen Iverson thing was more of a general topic. More of his clashes with David Stern and his public image on trial. I'm 100% with you on this. (laughs) How did this happen? Is this that whole, uh, what were you talking about back in previous episodes, the Mandela effect? Uh, Yeah. What happened to us, man? I thought the same thing. I thought this was going to be rad dunks after rad dunks. Steve James is on this shit. So I'm like, I remember this one being really good. And while we do see clips of the famous Allen Iverson crossing over on Jordan, it kind of just pecks at his professional career. And it doesn't even get into his college career that much. It pecks at his college career. This is almost entirely about Allen Iverson in high school and what happened when he was in high school. And there's some rad dunks and great plays we see, but most of it is at a high school level. It's about the trial of Allen Iverson, literally. Steve James and Allen Iverson, they're both from a little place called Hampton, Virginia. Go Hams! There's got to be like some mascot, like a Hams over there somewhere. Man, weren't you paying attention to this documentary? (laughs) It's all about the Crabbers. <laughs> crabbers, baby. Crabbers. I, I watched this two weeks ago. We've had to postpone this. I'm, I'm going to have a hard time. You may have to take the lead in terms of continuity here. As long as you get that Crabbers fight song that we <laughs> that Steve James' dad was singing. Crab a bone, crab a bread. And I'll be a crab a <laughs> Oh, do you know any of it? Crabbers. Oh, God, yeah, crabbers. Oh, God, yeah, crabbers. Oh, God, yeah. We all love getting crabs. Crabs. <laughs> I know that's not it. It should be. And if Hampton, Virginia knew what the fuck they were doing, they would adopt that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're already having fun on this one, dude. Oh, yeah. We're picking it together. But I was really happy because one of the very first things, once this movie started out, we know it's another full theatrical length, 30 for 30. Yeah, about hour 20 minutes. Started out real early with the practice quote. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. (laughs) They kind of got his greatest hits, like his top most well-known stuff, out of the way within the first 20 minutes. They did. They were banging that out. The practice quote, inch for inch, the most talented player ever, quite possibly. Not going to make too many arguments about that one. Steve James is basically like, hey, remember when Allen Iverson said this? Remember when he did this to Jordan? Remember when he did this and did this? Now let's talk about race. (laughs) Okay, let's get serious. (laughs) Here's all the cool shit Allen Iverson did that you remember that you want to see. Now that's over, let's let's get real deep into the Virginia Newport News. Don't worry, folks. We got a white dude from Long Island and a white dude from Tennessee. We're coming together. We're going to talk through this racial struggle. Yeah, that's going to fix it, man. (laughs) I also had to figure out early, because he didn't introduce himself, but this was, as you said, Steve James narrating all Mm. of Allen Iverson's greatest hits, basically. Like I wrote down early notes was like, is this this Steve James talking? Somebody's talking. And from some of our previous 30 for 30s, I never want to uh, get too into that. Our terrible narration of Jimmy the Greek done by some strange actor. Our Shakespearean cue cards from our last episode. Yeah. Stay, you, you you hear Steve James, like you said, and you see him, not too much, but you do see him a lot, but it's always framed in the context. Steve James almost becomes like the other side of a coin to Allen Iverson's story, and he's deft enough to kind of make it work. I'll say up top, I don't really mind his presence in this that much. 
No, this movie is, we said it earlier, this is partially his movie, his story. He's talking about his family, and he's really trying to get to something that affected him personally and figure that out through Allen Iverson's story. Although, again, he didn't really introduce it that way. He just had to figure it out by the time he was doing, throwing out some great quotes there like, this is the story that haunts my hometown. Did you know that Lawrence Taylor comes from Hampton? I did. And uh, Michael Vick, which maybe not uh, too much of a... Newport News. And we talked to all kinds of people. I need to run through. I'm trying to like puzzle this shit back together in my head. We talked to Bob Bearfield, who coached Iverson, I believe, in high school. Uh, we talked to James Ellenson, who's a defense attorney, who shows up a lot. He kind of looks like a skinny bald dude. Looks like a maybe a villain in a parody of a superhero movie or something. Oh, Steve's mom is in this. Imogene. That's a great name. I think that's her name, Imogene. That is a great name. Well, Iverson went to Bethel, and he could pack that house. He was like, from high school on, everyone was like, this dude is this shit. Shit, shit, shit. In multiple sports. We got to see cool Allen Iverson football highlights. Little dude, but he had so much athleticism. He was the star of his high school football team. And we get to see this early. They win a state championship behind Iverson in football. And what does he do in his interview afterwards? He's like, we'll go win me the basketball state championship next. Yeah. I love Iverson. <laughs> He's great. Seems like he never truly changed, huh? And so in certain ways, always had that swagger. Man, that's what's happening there. You get that little fun quote from one of his coaches that's like, you get a long nail and you can bend that nail, but the smallest nail can't bend it. It's tough. And that's Allen Iverson. Now, Drew, we don't have a lot of pro-level sick dunks, but would you settle for chairs being thrown around in a bowling alley? Localized race riot, allegedly? This is right after they show the, the sick highlights, too. The Jordan crossover. Yeah. They say that you know in his high school career, he liked to start each game by hitting a 30-foot jumper and then throwing down an alley-oop dunk. Just so you could know that he would do both of those whenever he wanted to. Nice. And totally demoralize the other teams, including Steve James' dad's Hampton Crabbers. No, they the wrecked rival. the Crabbers. No. The top rival of Allen Iverson's Bethel. Sorry, Crabbers, you're losing in two sports to Iverson now. Steve da Steve's dad was a loyal Crabber. Crab a bone, crab a bread. But he had to admit, as it did everyone in the whole fucking town, this Iverson kid, he's got something. And on February of 1993, Valentine's Day, a day for lovers. A day for bowling. A bowling alley brawl broke out. We, we're talking to uh, Iverson's friend Simmons. He's kind of uh, providing some context for the story. So my intent was just to go over and try to see what was going on. Him and Alan was like this face to face. And I guess he looked on his peripheral and seen me coming. And I just seen him start swinging. I ducked, you know, so I'm ducking, I'm coming back. And I just caught him. And then, you know, he fell. I turned around, and it was melee. And we see some home VHS footage. In all the chaos, a home video camera captures only a few brief moments of the brawl. That was a wild night. That was just like something you see in a movie. Did Simmons say he broke someone's arm or he got his arm broken? I no, one of the white guys got his arm broken. Right. You get this like divided race riot in the bowling alley. 
one side alleges that these this group of four white people and one is like a woman said something racist and we see a video of it that I don't see much of anything. I see a bunch of uh, young black teenagers kind of conversed in an area. I see a chair thrown around. I don't see anything that signifies that Allen Iverson is doing anything here or no evidence of it whatsoever. Now, that's the most frustrating part is that they do have this blurry camera footage that shows chairs getting thrown around and a fight going on, but you can't make out people who are doing specific things in this. There's no way. So everybody's just projecting their own ideas into it. You've got the the black part of town saying that these these privileged white kids started this and then didn't weren't ready for what was happening afterwards. Right. And then you've got all the white people in town saying that these black thugs started this fight and were throwing chairs and that Alan Iverson hit a woman in the face. Mm-hmm. And the one guy got his arm broken. So obviously they weren't the aggressors if they're the ones who got hit in the face and got their arm broken. But you can't tell any of this from the video. No. The video is just a conversion, the the aftermath of whatever both sides say happened. Of course, Iverson and his friends say that he didn't throw any punches. He didn't throw any chairs. He's got a professional sports career on tap. He can't be risking that stuff. So he's saying that his friends took him out of that melee and kind of you know, pushed him off to the side. He didn't do anything. He, he knew the consequences. But they charge Allen Iverson as an adult for assault. I, I, I'd like to point out that this happens in 1993. So that means to record this moment in the very brief footage that we have, someone had to load a, a, a VHS into a, a portable camcorder. Hopefully it was fully charged because it would lose power within like 45 minutes. Point this heavy machine that would rest on their shoulder at a crowd of people and then hit the hit the play button on the top. Obviously, no smartphones like we do today. And since they had no proof that he from that great VHS video that he was the actual person who did this, his charge is taken to something called maiming by mob, which I've never heard of in my entire life. So now, maybe I'm doing something right if I've never been in a maiming by mob situation. Now, Allen Iverson is the best basketball player in town. If you're a big Crabbers fan, you might be like. No, fuck this kid. Send him up. Send him up. I don't care what he did or didn't. He should uh, He should be accountable for everyone who isn't as good at basketball as he is. I was there that night. He's the name everybody knows who was at this bowling alley in this thing. Man, they're playing Mob Deep songs right now. You got Shook Ones going on. You're, seeing, you're getting your introduction to Newport News, which people refer to as the bottom. Just <laughs> the bottom of the peninsula. Yeah. And also kind of the bottom of the economic or social ladder there as well. He's living with a Coke dealer stepdad, apparently, in a house that they wore boots all the time because it leaked sewage. Yeah. Yeah, that's the bottom, all right. Yeah. I think his mother had had him at the age of 15. He didn't know his actual father. You know, the only way it could have been worse is if there was just nothing over his head, basically. Straight up some American poverty right there. And the way Steve James is setting this up is that it is... It's a situation where you can put all your projections on this as well. They talk about a situation where he missed over 60 days of school in one year. Everyone's like, oh, what a terrible person. He doesn't even want to go to school. And then they've got other people in there saying, yeah, that's because he had to take care of all of his siblings. Right. He basically had to take care of his youngest. And that often got in the way of things. Also, he didn't have to go to school because he was fucking amazing at basketball. So that knew he had a way out. If he wasn't amazing at basketball, no one would give a fuck about him taking care of his kid sister. 
Yeah. That's just the truth. So this is the part where they bring in the doofiest white people imaginable. We <laughs> All got- these journalists <laughs> from Virginia <laughs> who are, again, just the doofiest white people you can think of on screen. And they're saying stuff like, oh, he was a thug from the streets. They talk about the... The school textbook, this was something that struck me real hard. The school textbook in Newport News in Hampton, Virginia, says that, says proudly, the first Africans to arrive in the colonies landed in Hampton. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's slavery. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This was not like, ooh, we're on a cruise ship. Let's land here. Congratulations, Hampton. You did it. (laughs) What the hell kind of thing is that? Those plaques. Oh, congratulations. The the first Africans chose to land here. Nah, dude, that's not how that went. But Steve James' mom was the school nurse at the very first segregated school. Well, uh, non-segregated school. After the schools got desegregated, she was one of the first people to go to a school that was majority black. Hard cut to a, a screen that says part two of the documentary, The Trial. Law and Order theme music. Well, Allen Iverson did get arrested that night. I just want to say this because this fact is interesting. Allen Iverson did get arrested that night that after he got out of lockup, he scored 42 points that night after he got out of lockup. Yeah, and they ended up winning that state championship that he said he was going to win after he won the football state championship. Damn, Bethel. Wow. Wow. Fuck you, Crabbers. Am I right? (laughs) Crabbers getting crabby tonight. Crabbing all up in your crotch. Go, Crabbers, go. That's it. The trial of the century, if you're in Hampton. July 9th through 12th, 1993, the trial. I expected the Law & Order music. I really did when they had the screen the cut to the trial. A little disappointed. I could maybe stick it in, or not. <laughs> Something happened that <laughs> night. We don't know what it is, but neither side was 100% innocent. That's not how these things work. Look, I've got a, I've got my career to think about. I wish you white people would stop calling me the N-word, but uh, I should just go walk in this other direction now. White people are like, we were just trying to go bowling. <laughs> the one sport we're still better at. Why can't we have wine entertainment television? <laughs> this just... is set up this way by Steve James to be ridiculous. <laughs> These We're talking about groups of teenagers. Remember when you were a teenager? You're with all your boys. You're out there stunting. Your chest puffed out. You think you're invisible. You got your peeps by your side. Let's go be stupid. Act stupid. Hopefully we weren't just being a bunch of little racists. Not everyone is like that. Or no one is just like targeting anyone or anything like that. But, you know, we walked around with our heads held high, with our egos swole. And if anyone said anything off to us, we would all get in that motherfucker's face, you know. And it really didn't take much. If you had all your boys with you and you're a dumb like 16, 17 year old. Teenagers are shitty the world around. Yeah. But yeah, you know, man, I grew up in a very, I don't want to say mixed group, but it was, it's a New York public high school. It was a large class, but no, we, you know, got in fights with white people and I got in fights with black people. Sure. (laughs) Nobody's completely innocent. This thing doesn't happen the way anybody's saying it is. And that's going to trial and that he's being tried as an adult. Which is, what the fuck? Why would you try? Everybody's projecting. Why would you try him as an adult? Is this, a, is, is this such an extreme situation that I was like, we must try this child like a grown man? It is. Everybody's projecting all of their thoughts on this different communities on each side of, of the peninsula onto these people who are involved in this situation. On this show, we've dealt with trying people as adults in some of our true crime episodes. 
And it's like, why even why even separate it from kids at all if like a community or a grand jury? Oh, uh, we're just going to decide to try this child like an adult. Like, what's the point of even separating it at that point? Because I understand the emotional reactions when like a 15-year-old straight up murders someone and there's evidence that they did it. I'd still don't agree with trying as a young person as an adult, but you understand the emotional connection with that. But even if you got Allen Iverson on film decking a white dude in the face, it's just a teenage fight, man. That's not a try someone as an adult kind of bullshit. I'm never, ever going to go on record saying it's cool to hit a woman in the face with a chair. Yeah. Obviously, that is something that nobody... Except for that one lady. You know who you are, lady. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) who's a decent person should have that in their head to do that. If that even happened. It's pretty obvious that this whole thing is just a big mess. Chairs are getting thrown around. I feel bad for some lady who did get hit in the chair in the face with one. But from what we can see, it doesn't look like anybody's going out there trying to really hurt somebody, trying to kill somebody. Something that's going to end up with this giant adult criminal procedure against them. Yeah, we we had fights as teenagers. Yeah. People got hurt. Bones got broken in fights. I've been there. Uh, My friends have been there. Everybody's been there. There was no trial afterwards. There was no dividing an entire community and trying to put someone away for a long time. Some lady named, I guess it's the woman who claimed to have been hit. Wait, there was a woman that said that she begged Iverson to stop the thing. And another woman claimed that Iverson hit her with the chair. The way the the explanation seems to break down is like, like you're you're Alan Iverson. White Iverson. And I'm a, a white lady. You must make all these black gentlemen stop fighting. And then you just pick up a chair and you hit me with it. Shut up, bitch. White Iverson. Take this chair. It was a mess. It was a melee. A melee. <laughs> it was melee. People are getting... But the chair throwing thing, that's that's a little weird. That wasn't involved in anything I didn't really no. get used to. But we've seen some viral videos, man. Oh, yeah. This okay. video was just begging for someone in the background. World star! World star. It's the first world star video. <laughs> Maybe. And or, people have different opinions on how serious this trial is itself. Alan's got a, ra- a defense attorney, Herb Kelly. Now, every everyone's wanting to get in on this trial because this is prolific. You're in the spotlight if you're in this trial. But Herb, I don't think he had a lot of experience with this specific kind of law. Most lawyers, defense lawyers, are trying to like negotiate low sentences. They, they're still wanting to look for guilty pleas. But Herb took a bench trial, which means instead of a jury, he goes straight in front of a judge. And then they have the conspiracy theories, too. That Herb was actually, what was he, on the board of the local college? So saying that, you know what, maybe if he does a bad job defending Iverson, he's not going to get those scholarship offers that are flying at him, and he'll have to go to local community college. Yeah. I did not write down a lot of these conspiracy theories. I was enjoying the conspiracy theories. I knew you would, so I'll let you take them all away. (laughs) My favorite part was that everyone there was a large group of this city that was like, it's a Crabber conspiracy. Crabber bone, Crabber bread. Crabbers can't beat Bethel with Iverson on the team. They're used to being the best, but they're not the best right now. The Crabbers are pretty big in this area. (laughs) Did you hear about the conspiracy that during that, that bowling alley fight? That a that a, a very very young post Malone White Iverson himself was looking upon the conflict, but back then he was pre Malone. Ooh, thank you, thank you. 
Yeah, that was good. I'll be here until the end of the episode. I liked the Hampton University theory that got him locked up so that he would have to go to local university because he would be on, you know, restricted travel. Oh, right. As a, as a felon. It's kind of a good one. <laughs> there was also the uh, the other one that was like, well, it's a conspiracy because he was dating a white lady. So they decided to get him locked up so he couldn't date any more of our white ladies. Gosh, you know, the considering... Uh, how much he's sentenced that almost seems believable so all these conspiracies flying around and in the middle of the trial nike flies alan iverson out to a basketball camp yeah uh iverson says that nike they treated me like i'm a human with an incredible ability to play basketball and possibly make them lots and lots of money in the future they treated me like a human an exceptional human and this really pisses off the judge He's like, yeah, you're in the middle of my trial. You shouldn't be uh, flying off to go play basketball on somebody else's dime. One thing that Alan can't deny his ability, but he was also naturally antagonistic. Uh, I want to point out again, based on the video we see of this bowling alley brawl, there's no evidence that Alan Iverson did anything. You can't see shit from anybody. He and his buddy Simmons are like thrown up on this trial, but most people are just paying attention to Alan Iverson. And uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. Take it away, Drew. There were four people who got charged. Oh, right. Swiss. Uh, Simmons, Iverson, and two other guys who I forgot their names. Sorry, dudes. Not Iverson 1, <laughs> not Iverson 2. One of their names started with an S and the other with a W. <laughs> I guess we're as guilty as the people of Hampton throwing all their hate or hope onto Alan Iverson and ignoring the team. But the community wasn't. The community set up this free Swiss account. What's the word here? <laughs> movement basically yeah free them they were songs there were marches there were parades there was a yeah there's an alan uh, release alan iverson and simmons and friends song i gotta find that shit yeah free swiss man free swiss uh, pretty rocking acronym using the last names of melvin stevens samuel Wynn, alan iverson and michael simmons is the support of Swiss. So put your hands together. Come up, come up, come up, come up. Racial injustice can't be tolerated. Of these young brothers must be emancipated. For racial injustice can't be tolerated. Of these young brothers must be emancipated. We want Iverson, Simmons, and Winston. We want Iverson, Simmons, and Winston. But the guilty verdict comes down. Sentencing gets postponed for two months, though. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but we're on is... top of this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> but sentencing happens in September, still in 93. He gets five years on each count what the... that he was in for. So Alan Iverson gets sentenced to 15 years in prison for this bowling alley fight. Everybody's shocked. Even the people who were anti Alan Iverson were like, yeah, he was going to get community service and probation. That's what everyone thought. He thought that he was just going to be picking up trash by the side of the road. He gets 15 years, hundreds of people riot. The entire black community in this area is crying like it was a family member. This is just so insane. That's definitely fucking extreme. This is where the conspiracy theories really kick in. Everyone's like, oh, those crabbers had to lock him up. <laughs> crab a bone, crab a bread. Crabbing tonight, you gonna get your crabs all right. Get that crab tonight, baby. Want some crabs. <laughs> So strange because the video footage of this, too, it all looks like it was 50 years ago. Yeah. It looks like old segregated America. Uh, again, 
the black community is devastated by this. The local whites, or at least everyone he interviews, still hate Iverson. Yeah. They hate him so much for somebody who, again, never got proven. No. <laughs> I guess it did. If, in a court I mean, of law, he got found he, guilty. But, like, oh, Drew, they didn't allow the video to be shown as evidence in the court. No. So there was really nothing except testimony. I don't understand that. It's the one thing you got that shows what's happened. It doesn't show everything, obviously. It doesn't show the whole picture, obviously. But you can see who's there if you pause the frames. But they, but, but the prosecution did not want that video up. And nobody's talking for the documentary right now. Steve James is here. It's his hometown. White people don't want to talk about it. Black people don't want to talk about it. Ellen Iverson doesn't want to talk about it. His teammates don't want to talk about it. Iverson is not directly interviewed in this film. Not a single time. So Steve James is telling the story through his own point of view at this point now, as a white person from the community who kind of needs this closure, needs to find out what, what was going on and why this this whole thing happened. Although there are still a little bit too much director inserts for my taste. Sure. We didn't need his high school sports stats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did I mention that I'm a crabber? <laughs> Let's get crabs. Let's get crabs. I averaged like six points a game once. Wow. Oh, I think sorry, that was Steve as good James. as I was. In I, don't re- I don't remember your stats either, Steve James. I'm sorry <laughs> for that. Yeah, he's in this a lot now. This is his story again. His firsthand story of a person in this neighborhood. Again, his father was the coach of the crabbers for a while. His mother was a school nurse. So he's trying to get into it. But this problem is the only people talking about it is the local newspaper, which is all, again, those goofy-ass white journalists that were interviewed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so they're keeping this flame alive, talking about it. Some of these headlines that they're flashing on the screen are just like, whoa, man. <laughs> Selling papers, dude. It is obviously from one point of view alone. But then you get the other point of view. In a Sports Illustrated article, a national publication decides to publish something on the Allen Iverson trial. There's a Tom Brokaw interview. So all of a sudden, the national press is getting involved. I'm Tom Brokaw. That's pretty good, huh? That's pretty good. But all the national point of view is like, whoa, look at this racist-ass town putting Iverson away for 15 years. (laughs) They're stoking the flames more and more and more. Everybody is mad. The local papers are all calling out Iverson and the black community. The national publications are calling this a racist-ass town and pissing off all the white community. So everybody is still really angry about this whole thing. They don't want the city getting a reputation of like this little... uh, little backwards-ass racist area. Allen Iverson is carrying the weight of all of Hampton, the, uh, the whole history of Hampton's injustice. And in the meantime, he gets denied bond even because he's a flight risk. This might have been my favorite part of the entire documentary is when they show that clip of him getting denied bond, calling him a flight risk. It immediately cuts to him flying through the air for a huge dunk. Flight <laughs> risk! Yeah, bro! I can see myself as a kid with a poster of Iverson on my wall in the air for a dunk, with having that uh, sweet like impact font on all those posters that used to have. Be like, mm. Iverson, flight risk. Hey, yo, my homie, set that shit. Everybody stay flying. Well played, Steve James. Alan, 10 years gets suspended, and he ends up getting out in like a couple of months, right? He serves two months, but he's still got this like felony assault shit uh, with, with like the worst evidence you can imagine. This fucking teenager charged as an adult for a teenage fight. And yeah, he gets out in two months, but that's all, that's spotted on his record. But in the meantime, the first black governor of Virginia has been elected, Douglas Wilder. 
and he's getting this from all sides. They're all on him. The the national media again, the local media saying all these the Swiss community, these community organizers are still out there. Man, grassroots community organizers, those are the people who are really getting stuff done. Yeah, well, they're the they're ones still there. They're still fighting. They actually understand their community. Everyone else gets wrapped up in the the cable news media, and they're talking about shit that really doesn't even matter. When like you actually have people that are in the front lines of your communities, those are the people we need to really be paying attention to. And they're still talking about all four of these guys too, while everybody else is only talking about Allen Iverson. Yeah, like us. And you know, uh, also this is a movie that also shows that the N word for white people is racist. No white person gives a fuck if you call him a cracker or a honky. Don't you dare call us racist, Tom Brokaw. Racist. But the governor does grant clemency to Iverson. And then they say, hey, uh, what about those other guys? After that sentencing, the other dudes really do fade back because they... Well, they were out too. They didn't get 15 years yeah, like yeah. Iverson did. They didn't get it as bad, but still that affected them. And at the end of the day, they don't get pardons or anything like that was this lucky timing for him if there wasn't the first black governor of virginia could iverson have served all that time and not ever had a career that's pretty intense but even with that felony he's not allowed to finish high school at bethel so the crabbers won (laughs) he didn't get to finish his high school at bethel come on get crab it ride it my crabs Crab it, we're waiting. Come on in, crab on it. One of the coaches talks about how the richer black communities were also not on Allen Iverson's side. This is important because it points out that black communities are not monolithic. They don't all think the same exact way. Neither are white communities. That's true. As much fun as it is to make fun of everybody who's <laughs> featured in this documentary. And But it's pointed out that even though there's a lot of attention on uh, what happened to Allen Iverson, and he may have been a pain in the ass, but he didn't fucking deserve to be tried as an adult and sentenced 15 fucking years. But it's pointed out that there's a whole lot of Allen Iversons up there that didn't happen to be very good at basketball that will probably be uh, spending half of their lives locked away for very petty shit. They throw out that quote there now that's the plantation of the 21st century is the penitentiary. Yep. Which we've seen over and over again. And uh, the, I mean, it's... It's an issue I've brought up on the documentaries plenty of times, and it's one that is very important to me. And any politician, whether it be including any up-and-coming Democrats that are going for this race, if they've made a career off of perpetuating this prison industrial cycle, they do not deserve to be representative of a progressive party. That's just my opinion. But in the meantime, we get a real heartwarming story right now. Is this? I'm not sure where she came from here, but a white lady? in the most redneck-ass area of this peninsula, takes an interest in Allen Iverson, thinks he's very smart. So she starts teaching him at a little, very small private school, and he graduates. This lady's name? Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) We're spending most of our lives living in the crabber's paradise. She's just an older lady who thinks he's smart, has potential, and he, by all means, is very smart. But there's this super adorable home video of his high school graduation in this tiny little classroom that this lady ran. And they're all roasting him. They're giving some real lighthearted jabs and roasting Alan Iverson after he graduated. He's just there with this goofy smile on his face, taking it. And this is after 
he was sentenced to prison for 15 years. This little home video, I don't know how Steve James got a hold of this, but it's it's fantastic. It's so good. It's so humanizing. Yeah. And then they have a video clip of him in an interview years later saying he would never have been where he was without this lady who allowed him to graduate high school to kind of regain a little bit of that humanity that he lost being the face of this racial divide. It is a very welcome scene after this uh, racially divided movie we, we just sat through. And they say that I, you know when she died, Iverson sent an enormous bouquet of flowers to the funeral said all these nice things about her. And then it just says, like, again, after all these terrible things we've seen, after how divided racially this documentary is, yeah, there's good people everywhere you go as well. Some people actually learn, too. I think that's important to know. Yeah, people come from certain areas, and it can be, you know, we don't all come out fully formed or right, but I've seen, I've seen people change their minds based upon real experiences that they've had. I've seen my grandmother go through that, well into her elderly years change her mind on shit and understand based on troubles that happened to her how she can see people uh in other positions and other cultures are coming from like i've seen it and it's just it's always good to know and to not assume that everyone thinks the same way about everything yeah where was alan iverson's high school graduation ceremony it's there on home video in this little old white lady's house in the most redneck ass part of the peninsula that he grew up on so that's just such a nice ending or, or refreshing part of this, all these terrible things that we saw earlier yeah. in the documentary. And basically as we go on, it then goes into like, uh, touches on his college and his path to pro. It's barely, it's pretty much an afterthought in this movie. No, he's definitely wrapping it up after this. As he plays one year at Georgetown and an appeals court overrules his sentence. So he is the first overall pick in the draft by the 76ers. And then he goes back, and there's a parade in Hampton. Thousands of people show up. Allen Iverson Day. And you know what? That white girl that got hit with that chair was there. And you know what happened? Someone threw a chair at her. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> During the parade, he says, I didn't know I had this much love in Hampton with the thousands of people there. And just to kind of divide the point that, you know, this isn't a clean ending. Everything Racism's not fixed, everybody. Yeah. Steve James goes in there and interviews a whole bunch of white people who are still mad at Allen Iverson. Now, even if he served the whole time that Max sentence, he would be out by now and you still want him to be in jail? Well, not by now. This is right after he got drafted. Well, oh, right, right. <laughs> I thought... By now, yeah. And well, yeah, I'm sure there's still white people in Hampton who are real mad at Allen Iverson. Well, I guess and this, maybe some black people too. Look. I guess this actually takes place in like 2009, the point of the time of this film. That's the thing we need to remember, especially when we talk about our short episodes that are coming is that all those are in the context of almost 10 years ago, which is interesting to note. That's true. But he goes out, he wins rookie of the year. He wins MVP later. He's an 11 time all-star scoring leader four times. Bubba Chuck becomes the answer. I had his shoes, man. Did we clarify that Bubba Chuck is his nickname? As much as the documentary did, they just have people calling him Bubba Chuck, and it took me a while to figure out what the hell was going on. Bubba Chuck is Alan Iverson's nickname. Was. Was. Alan Iverson's nickname when he was real young. And then as we all got to know him, thanks to Reebok, he was the answer. But they have a, a 2005 interview with him and Stephen A. Smith. Because who better to interview anybody than Stephen <laughs> A. Smith? He has a basketball camp at Hampton. But he's also getting like community criticism for he's not doing more. But the funny thing is, Allen Iverson has gotten into some trouble over the years in his professional career. You could make a whole other 30 for 30 Allen Iverson just for after he goes pro. 
which I'd love to see that, by the way. But the thing that haunts him the most is what happened to him in high school. You see it in interviews at every point in his career where he still feels really fucking burned about what happened to him over that incident in that bowling alley. Even to this day, it probably still affects him more than shit he actually did wrong and probably deserved to go to jail for much later on. He kind of breaks down a little bit in this interview and in his interview at, at his own camp back in his hometown. Says he was in jail three times and he deserved it all. You can tell how much this still haunts him to this day. Mm-hmm. Alan Iverson's also got some really shitty tattoos. Can we say that? Sure. Focused in on that. He has a lot. He's so money bags on his hands with a Z. <laughs> He's got the skull wearing an army helmet. This. Well, come on, uh, AI. You can do better than that. But now, although, dude, this camp. Yeah. If any of those are still floating around, if any of you listeners got the hookup, I want a camp crossover T-shirt. Oh, that'd be dope. Those are those are pretty slick. But, Drew, we end this movie... With on... more of Steve James' dad talking about how much he loves the crabbers. Oh, the fucking crabbers. Crab on, crab a bread. Crab on. Crab off. Crab on, crab off. You got crabs. <laughs> the most insulting part of this fucking film happens. You see, when this feature dropped on, that, on uh, cable television almost 10 years ago, Allen Iverson was still pro, but he was winding down. He would eventually uh, re-sign with Philly. That would be his last team. He'd go back to where he started, but he would leave very after. But around this time, he went to the Memphis Grizzlies. What is described by, I forget who describes it in this film, as the lowly Memphis Grizzlies. Iverson endured a new wave of criticism. After signing with the lowly Memphis Grizzlies, he bristled at not starting. Look. This is a Tennessee sports team, okay, a Tennessee pro team. I know the Grizzlies are fucking boring to watch. I get it. I get it. Are they doing bad this year? Yeah, they're not doing very good this year. Don't call my fucking Memphis Grizzlies lowly, okay? Lowly Memphis Grizzlies. And he was upset because he wasn't a starter. This was old Iverson, and this was crappy Grizzlies. This was pre their seven straight years of playoff run. Yeah. Underrated Grizzlies, come on. I'm with you there. Yeah. But this was this was a lowly Grizzlies team that Iverson signed with right at the tail end of his career on his way to retirement. Oh, but I thought you were going to say the most insulting part of the movie was that Ducks analogy that we ended the movie on. What is the Ducks analogy? Is this a dirty joke you're setting up for? <laughs> What's the fucking Ducks analogy? I forgot. I didn't write it down. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> but the credit was all Ducks. You remember that, right? Like some Ducks swimming in through the credits. Right after you had his old coaches on their porch, still back there in Hampton, being awesome, just cutting up on the porch. Yeah. And then it cuts to these ducks quacking. I don't remember. Fuck, what was the analogy? I, th- <laughs> I think when the credits rolled, I was like, okay, I got to go take a shit. That's I'm, the memorable part. I'm sorry to keep it real. You see ducks that look all graceful on top of the water, but underneath they're just kicking like hell, trying to stay afloat. They're not having to kick that hard. They're boy. That was that was a bad quote. That's how they ended the movie. That's how they ended the movie with that analogy and ducks in the entire credits. Steve James, you had a good movie. <laughs> well, come on, bro. All right, you were doing good. Drew, we don't rate documentary films on a star rating scale. The sun is a star. Someday that sun will expand into like I guess they call it a red giant. It will destroy like most of the planets in the solar system. Let's see how much you fucking like stars then. We rate in a Herzog rating scale. Herzogs, they're not made of gas, and they don't expand to destroy heavenly bodies. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. And then we were going to combine them like Allen Iverson 
with a sweet alley-oop dunk in the basket. Nice. For best out of 10 Hertz songs. Drew, what'd you think of Steve James's no crossover, the trial of Allen Iverson? I thought this movie did a lot of things well. It really kind of highlighted the small parts of it. I loved the the analogies from his old coaches. Well, not the analogy so much. <laughs> but I love the anecdotes they would tell, especially like his attitude even back then. He was going to hit that 30-foot jumper, then the alley-oop dunk, just to let you know at the very beginning of the game he could do whatever he wanted. Him quoting that at the end of winning the state championship of football, what you going to do next? I'm going to win the state championship in basketball. And then he fucking did. What? <laughs> Even after the bowling alley incident. I hesitate to take too much away from this documentary because of my own faulty memory. But that did play a big part in it. I really, for some reason, had it in my head that the trial of Allen Iverson was more of a metaphor. Because he was such a culturally divisive person, it felt like he was on trial his entire career. He had the clashes with David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, the whole dress code incidents, you know, his tattoos, uh, his cornrows, and everybody trying to make him the face of something, whichever side of that divide you were on. You had strong opinions about Allen Iverson. He was on trial his entire career. This wasn't about that at all. It was about his trial in high school when he went to trial, got tried as an adult, and got 15 years for a teenage fight where nobody died and a broken arm was the worst thing that happened to anybody. Teenage Fist Fight is a great name for a classic style power pop band. Maybe he was throwing in more subtlety about how you did get that feeling where everybody was projecting something onto Iverson. Nobody was talking to him. Even this documentary, he's never spoken to, but everybody's projecting their own views onto him as you, to what he represents and who, what kind of person he was. I kept forgetting that he wasn't directly in it. That's a credit to Steve James. Yeah. He made him feel present in it. I think the part of that was that this is his hometown, and he was emotionally connected in it. That's why I will forgive him putting himself in the movie so much and going around interviewing people. I'll even forgive him throwing in his own high school basketball stats. Man, I'd do that too if I was making a documentary about this. <laughs> you, know, you know you fucking would. <laughs> you throw in how many softball championships you won. Uh, I'll put all that stuff in there. <laughs> Steve James, re- relatable there. Although we did not need... All- so much talk about how much your dad really, really loved the crabbers. Crab a bone, crab a bread. I'll be a crab a <laughs> Was there a floor in his house that had the crabbers logo inlaid in it? I think there was. Probably. Maybe that was the gym. <laughs> but somewhere he was had a crab inlaid into the floor. Fucking love the crabbers. If they ever redistrict schools and a new high school pops up, a new rival for the crabbers, the crab shampoos. <laughs> Sorry, America. <laughs> and Sweden. We got listeners there, too. So what I'm saying is I'm going to give this movie a 3.5. You know, I definitely wanted some pro-rad dunks, but after I sat through this, like, I got it. I felt like I do want to... There should be another Allen Iverson 30 for 30, and I think Steve James should direct it. But, like, go college and pro. We've got the high school story. And that story is effective to Allen Iverson. And even though Allen is not directly interviewed in here, Steve James does do an amazing job. And making sure that Allen Iverson's feelings and thoughts on every subject that is mentioned in here comes through somehow. No, it's Allen Iverson, one of the most opinionated, openly opinionated people in NBA history. Not that hard, but the way he structured, the way Steve Dreams structures it, he does a really good job. I think early in the documentaries days when we were a little soft, I'd probably be like, this is a four. But I'm, I'm with you. I think this is like an above average 
3.5 Hertzogs. So you take my 3.5, combine it with your 3.5, that's 7 out of 10 Hertzogs. And I'd say for how a lot of these 30 for 30s have been going, that's pretty damn good. It wasn't perfect by any means. There was a lot of filler in this one, I felt like. But they did get that those themes. They hit those themes on how Bubba Chuck became the answer on people's views of whether the courts are there for retribution or rehabilitation. If there is such a thing as redemption, deep thoughts, man. I think there is such a thing as redemption. But yes, another Allen Iverson 30 for 30 is set up. You know who can do the music for it, don't you? White Iverson. White Iverson himself. Jason Williams. What's up, man? Jason Williams, live from the Orlando Rec downtown. He'd probably show up, but no, <laughs> I'm talking about White Iverson himself post Malone. And then millennials will be listening to your podcast too. That's right. Get it. Keep on docking. Test in, test in, test out, test out like this. Test in, test out. Test in, test out. Test mics in my face. Test mics not in my face. Mics in my face, not in my face. In my face, out of my face. In my face, out of my face. Ladies and gents, let's gather around. Let's rap about a place called the Hampton Town. Four black men students reaching for the top. Up jumps the judge. Who holler stop? We want Allison Simmons and we're set free. We want Allison Simmons and we're set free. As uh, you might know, Steve James from a very well-regarded sports documentary. Yeah, he's Steve James, bitch. Yeah. Right? That's where I know him from? I think so, bitch. Uh. Sorry. <laughs> They're not all winners. Maybe I could have like carried that a little better. <laughs> but I just I just couldn't. I'm actually not good at improv. <laughs> I've learned that about myself. Not good at improv. I'm just better if you just let me talk at you, but like improv is hard for some reason for Yes me. and uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, 19 years ago, I interviewed Alan <laughs> Iverson, a young Alan Iverson. Nearly 20 years later, I sit here with Post Malone, the White Iverson. Welcome to the show, White Iverson. White Iverson, when I started balling, I was young. You gon' think about me when I'm gone. I need that money like the ring I never I'm swagging, I'm swagging, I'm swagging.